Justin going to read chapter 12 of the Shakespeare series. So here I go. I hung back, very nearly resolved to flee and take my chances with Faulkner. I had I known where he was or even on my own in that unknown city. Just But just when then Sander turned and beckoned to me with such a cheerful and friendly countenance that I swallowed my misgivings and followed him inside the lesson room. The scene within was not at all what I had expected. There were no sullen students lying up on benches with salt in their hands, nor was there any sign of anyone being beaten. The sounds had apparently come from two boys mock sword fighting with wooden single sticks. One was Nick, the fellow who had been the butt of the players' jokes and the day before, and who had played the, qu- the queen in Helmet. The other was the play's Ophelia, the slender boy, no taller than I, and far better suited to playing girls' parts, the swaggering, swaggering Nick, who seemed too husky in the voice and in build to property, property, anything but older women. On the other side of the room, two players were dancing a jig, a jig to a tune played on a houseboard. Nearby, Samuel and James, two hopefuls, were turning some somersets, um, somersets atop a row of rush mats under the eye of a small, athletic-looking man, Mr. Phillips, Sander informed me. He is our stage manager, among other things. Mr. Armin, you already know, he gestured toward the man who had run awful of Faulkner and who had stood up for me before the other players. He was demonstrating sword positions to Nick and his partner. He nodded in our destruction, and Sander approached him. Where shall I start with our new boy? Star Amazon, Mr. Armin shouted, and I shrank back, believing we were being cursed in some foreign tongue. The two students made slow, slinking motions with their sticks. He may as well be in here, Mr. Armin said, in a perfectly civil tone. Then he shouted, Reversa! The two boys cut with their sticks from the other side. Get him a single stick. For the next 
weeks. Hour, I stood in the ring with Sander and the others facing Mr. Armin and attempting to duplicate his his stance and movements. I had never had anything to do with weapons beyond the mock and skirmishes with elder sticks at the orphanage. Before long, my limbs began to ache. I could sense that the others were secretly laughing at my bumbling efforts, and I had longed to throw the stick aside, preferably at them, and show them my skill with the pen. But to do so, of course, would to would be to give myself away. I would have to continue to seem a willing apprentice until I could complete my real mission here. And when I did, when I had stolen the script from under their very noses, then I would be the one to laugh. Laugh. At last, Mr. Armin called a halt, and he and Nick fired off. Nick was armed with a real rapier, now blunted, of course. They salted with their swords, their faces smiling and cordial. There, then Mr. Armin said, Have at you! And the two transformed before our eyes into deadly enemies. Their blades clashed and parted and met again with such rapid glee that my eye could scarcely follow. Sander and Ophelia cheered them on. Then their sen- sentiments were obsolete with Mr. Armin, but they shouted encouragement to Nick as well. Even with my ignorance of fencing, I could see that Mr. Armin was holding back, giving Nick time to ward the counter. The fencing scene in the play who displayed this same measured pace. As the play, I was drawn into the drama. Just as I was tempted to shout a word of encouragement from myself, Mr. Armin effortlessly caught Nick's sideways blow on the guard of his rapier, flung his arm outward, and delivered a quick but gentle, but gentle, stole cut off to Nick's unguarded chest. Touch, he said. Nick's face, already red from exertion, grew redder. He he previously flung down the rapier and stopped off. Mr. Armin ignored the outburst and approached us. Do you three feel you're ready for a real weapon? No, sir, we said, almost as one person. Then go practice with your pasatas, he said. We have an audience who pays to see us, and we do n- don't need you lot standing about gawking. 
As we moved away, Sanders said, Wedge is going to need a bit of caulking, I think. Do you want to do it, Julian, or shall I? Ophelia, whose name was apparently Julian, shrugged. We could take turns. All right for you, Wedge? Sander asked. Un- unused as I was to being asked for my parent preferences preferences I took a man to reply oh hi I don't mind but Mr. Armin said fie on what Mr. Armin said Sander replied but softly I've done so many passatas I could do them in my sleep just be sure you do them on your side of the bed he laughed we will soon have to you doing them in your sleep as well now the first thing we'll have to show you is three wards three words no wards he held a single stick at the height of his forehead this is a high ward i copied his stance he moved the stick to his waist board ward his hand went down the rear his knee base ward you might just as well show him the right way a voice said. I turned to see Nick standing close by. Here, let me have that stick. Sander gave it to reluctantly. Nick planted himself in front of me, a distinctly unpleasant smile on his face. I'll learn you properly. Let him be, Sander said, not as forcefully as he might have. I'm only going to see what he learns his lesson, Nick said innocently. Now then, which is it? Now know that I, which is where I come from. My throat felt too tight to speak. I shook my head. A horse. I didn't call, I think I'll call you horse, though, though you look more like an ass to me. Hold your stick like this, horse. The hands close to the knee and tip pointing at your opponent's throat bowl. With a shaking hand, I I tried to mirror his position. Get your point up, he commanded. I was slow to respond and he whacked my stick sharply. Get the point up, I said. Get the point. I, I, do I look like a captain of a ship? Nay. I, you, I, you can nay like a horse as well. Now bring your hoof. I mean your hand. In closer to your leg, else your opinions might do this. He brought his stick swiftly down on my knuckles with a gasp. I let my stick fall, and if you do that, he'll certainly do this, 
he longed, and his stick struck my breastbone painfully. My fear gave way to anger, and I scrambled for the fallen weapon. Laughing, Nick knocked it out of my reach. When I was young at the orphanage, the bigger boys taunted me, and I invariably burst into tears. But finding what it was an invitation to further abuse, it, I had learned to refrain for, from tears, where, whatever the provocation. I even prided myself on it. Now, fancying Nick, I trembled with shame and frustration. But I was dry. But I was dry-eyed. Pick it up, horse! Nick guarded me with his foot. He sent it stalking across the floor at me. As I hesitated, unsure whether I would look more like a fool by picking it up or by letting it lie, Julian suddenly stepped between us, his stick at Broad Ward. It's enough, Nick. We all can see he's no match for you. And you are, I suppose. No, the boy replied evenly, but Sander and I together made you. Nick scowled at Sander, who had taken the cue and come up behind. That's unfair odds. So it's so is you against which, Sander said. Give him a few months of practice, and he'll go around with you, won't you, Ridge? True, though in truth I meant to be gone long before that, I nodded. I, Nick, pointed his stick threateningly at me. S- study your footwork well, then, hobby horse, for I mean to hobble you. He gave a token thrust toward Sander who jumped back, laughing. Nick tossed the stick aside and swaggered off. Only then, I did notice Mr. Armin watching from across the room. Why did you, why did uh, not put a stop to it? I suppose, Julian said, he believes a man should fight his own battles. Then why did you step in? I said crossly. I beg your humble pardon. Next time I'll let him put a dent to your stupid pudding basin. Julian stomped away. A bit of a hawthorne, it isn't, uh, I observe. Uh, and you're a bit of a... M- Mutt's on him, Sanders said nobly. He was only trying to help. I don't need any help, I said suddenly. Yes, you do. Now, now, why don't you take up that stick and we'll start over? High Ward, I gradu- 
Lately strove to mimic his movements. He said, Nick isn't really such um, a bad sort, you know. He was just testing your metal. Broadward. I don't think Nick was truly mean at heart. He just going he's just going through a bad time. He's been apprentice for six or seven years, and now he'll have to be to being playing a man part on the stage or in life. Both, I suppose. Low ward. That's as may be, I said. But we can scarcely judge a person by what as like inside. It's the it's the outside we ha ha to do with Sander lowered his single stick and sighed. Well, on the inside you may be very good fencer, but on the outside you stink. I washed but last week, I protested. Sander laughed. I didn't mean it literally, you goose. It means you're terrible. Come, we'll try some passatas. It was a long morning. When Mr. Armin finally tired off, tried off trying to make us into some sem- semblance of Skymers, his word for swordsman, he passed us on Mr. Phillips, who worked on our direction, mostly mine, and something called pro- projection, which meant as I nearly as nearly as I could tell, shouting more loudly than the audience. To my relief, the afternoon was less taxing. The company was presenting a play called Every Man Out of His Humor, humor which fit my mood exactly. As the bookkeeper was ill, Sander was given the task of holding the playbook and throwing out lines to players who were floundering. I was posted, along with Samuel, one of the hopefuls, in the tiring room to help the players change costume. In my ignorance, I did more to hunder than to help, yet none complained except Nick. When I stepped on the hem of his gown, he aimed a blow at me. I ducked it easily. Ducking was one of athletic skill I had long since mastered. Before he could try again, his cue came. I'll see you later, horse, he growled and swept out. His voice was so much at odds with his feminine appearance that that I could not help snickering. Such a lady, Sam said, and let and set us both laughing.
Julian came into the tearing room, greeted us, and retreated into the wardrobe to change. I stared after him. Feels a feels as too good for us, does it? Oh, it's nothing against us, Sam said. He is a marvelous one. It it is all, Mr. Shakespeare the same. Mr. Shakespeare's the same," said Mr. Burbage. "Don't like others pawing them, I guess." The mention of Mr. Shakespeare brought to mind something that the day constant activity had pushed aside: the lost, lost script. If I did not find it soon, someone else would. Leaving Sam to take care of the master matters in the tearing room, I crept up the stairs to the balcony. My luck was good that day. The balcony was not in use. I drew back the desperate and inspected the spot where I'd concealed myself the day before. So much for luck. The notebook was not there. Where in heaven's name was it then? Had some member of the company found it? Then it came to me: the man in the crowd who had jostled me from behind. He had smiled so sincerely. It never occurred to me that he had dipped his thieving fingers in my wallet. In my wallet, Gog's bread. I murmured. As stolen me script, the thief must have been upset to discover that ha- that he had flinched, not a purse, but a full book in- of scribbles. He could hardly return it, though. And however great his frustration, it could not have held a candle to dismay that I had felt. At that moment, knowing that all my work to worry was for naught. So that was chapter twelve. Bye, guys. See you later. See you later. See you later. See ya. See ya later. Bye, guys.